0: If you're just joining us this week, we are doing a two-part series on uh, the motivating factors and why we should share our faith with other people. And so, if you were here last week, I'm sorry, let me kind of bring everybody back uh, in full circle with us so they know what's going on. But last week, what we really talked about was uh, the good news and being able to, what what is going to motivate us in sharing our faith. And we talked about, uh, really... The, the, the prevention, what God did to prevent us from going to hell. And so what we looked at is for the person who does not follow Christ, we looked at their eternal state and we focused a little bit on hell. And so we looked at that as being uh, one of the motivating factors in why we should share our faith is that we don't want other people to go to hell. But today what I want us to do is focus our attention on the other motivating factor, and that is the hope of Christ, and the hope that comes with the relationship with Christ. And so last week, as I told you, we kind of got the bad news out of the way, but this week we're going to focus more on the good news and seeing what comes as a result of a relationship with Christ. And we are going to focus specifically towards the end of this passage, we're going to be focusing on heaven. But as I was thinking about this message, uh, as I grew up, I, I grew up a Carolina fan. I told you all that, and one of the reasons why is about 1996. Uh, Dr. McGee came to my father and asked him if he would help them do one of their halftime shows down at uh, First Baptist Church. For those who don't know, my dad, my dad's the music minister down there at First Baptist Columbia, and he does a big uh, celebration of liberty that they do every year. They've been doing since the 80s, and so they wanted to do a salute to the military, and so he called. Or Dr. McGee called my dad and said, hey, could you come down here and do this? Well, he did that. Well, it turned into helping one time and that turned into doing it the next year and the next year and the next year. And then as a result, he's now kind of helping out and is known as the halftime coordinator. So, All that to say, as a kid, I grew up on the sidelines at all of the South Carolina football games. And so I felt like I was a part of the team. I got to be down there uh, in the early 2000s when they were finally turning it around. I sat there for every game in the 0-11 season as well and then through college. But the thing that allowed me to be able to do that was this thing called a field pass. Now here's the thing about that field pass is that field pass was nothing of, of my own. I did not earn it. I did not get the job. I was not asked to, to be down there. But as a result of my father having the position that he had, I was able to stand down there on the field. See, what I want us to see in this passage today is as a result of what Christ did in our life, we get to experience the riches of Christ, not by anything that we did on our own, but simply because of what he did, we have the opportunity to be able to have a relationship with God, one, but also we get to experience and we get to take part in all of God's riches See, we talked about that about one day when we stand before God, we are going to have either our name written in the book of life or it will not be in the book of life. And in essence, what it's like is it's like having that pass, that field pass. And on that field pass, it has Jesus Christ written there. And as a result of having that pass, we're able to walk through this life with great freedom so if there's anything I want you to understand today, it's really simply these two words and that word grace and the word forgiveness. Because what I want us to see is what our life looks like through a relationship with Christ and what we get to experience as a result of what he did for us. So if you have your Bibles, I want to encourage you to open up to the book of Romans. We're going to be in Romans chapter 6 today. We're going to be looking at a couple passages of Scripture there. And what I really want us to see is simply this, is the riches that we get to experience as a result of what Christ did. So if you have your Bibles, please uh, look along with me as I read. I'll begin in verse 4, chapter 6 of Romans. It says here, We were buried, therefore, with him in baptism into death. Now, if we have died with Christ, we believe that we will also live with Him. We know that Christ, being raised from the dead, will never die again. Death no longer has dominion over Him. For the death He died, He died to sin once for all, but the life He lives, He lives to God. What I want us to see as we look into this passage, as a result of what Christ did, because He died, the Scripture says that we died. We come here, uh, really, gosh goodness, about every three months we do a baptism here. And for those of you who have been here, you have seen a demonstration of really what we are going to be going through today. And we talk about being buried in baptism with Christ in His death, raised to walk in newness of life. This passage here shows you exactly what it means in that because Christ died, we died. We take part in His death. And we see that because of what He did On the cross. See it says here in verse four that we were therefore buried with him through baptism into death, in order that just as Christ was raised from the dead through the glory of the Father, we too may live a new life. For if we have been united with him in a death like his, we will certainly also be united with him in a resurrection like his. So as we look to the cross and we look and see what Christ did for us, what we need to understand is simply this is that he paid the penalty. Of sin, 2 Corinthians 5.21 says, God made him who had no sin to be sin for us so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. We understand this and it's one of the simple messages of what we believe is that the penalty of sin is death. I was reading again as we go on in chapter 6, one of the uh, most famous verses in all of scripture, Romans 6.23, For the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. You know, we see that what we earn as a result of our sin is death. It is something that we cannot try to, to attain for our own. It's not something that we can earn back. We can never earn that favor. We talked about that last week. As we look at God's holiness, we understand that there is nothing that we can do to where we could ever be like Him. It is only what He has done for us. And we see here that He paid the penalty of sin. He did what we could not do. He bought what we could not afford. It's probably about, oh goodness, several months ago, I was hungry and, and I wanted something good. And for some reason, I was having a craving for a sonic blast. And I, and at this time, my wife and I just had this conversation about how we need to save some money. We don't need to just go out and, and make impulse decisions on buying and all of that stuff. It was probably because I was taking a faith and money class. And so I decided, all right, uh, I probably don't need to go get this sonic blast. But I'm telling you, I really wanted that sonic blast. So I did what any good man would do, and I went and got a Sonic Blast. And so as I was in the line at Sonic, I'm kind of battling back and forth because when I come home with this Sonic Blast, it's going to be really bad. And so I'm sitting there thinking, okay, I'm building this up in my mind. I'm like, well, maybe I could just throw it away and all this stuff and just trying to think how I could get away with getting the Sonic Blast. And as I'm in the line, I finally, I order and I get up to the drive through window. The lady looks at me and she says, The person in front of you paid for it. And I was like, man, that is so cool because I've heard about that on the radio and I've never had that actually happen to me. And so I thought, man, this is really cool. You know, this whole time I am worrying about paying for this sonic blast, but God knew that someone was going to step in and pay for this blast, which in that moment in my mind I felt like because we were trying to save, I could not afford And as I walked away, I thought, man, what a great illustration that is for what Christ did for us. Now, His death and resurrection is far more powerful than a sonic blast, but it paid a good illustration for me in that moment of realizing I was battling through what I could not afford, but yet God still provided. And I looked at that and I thought, that is the penalty in which He paid for us. See, we could not afford to to attain holiness, We could not be that righteousness, but God took the cross and he paid that penalty for us. And so we see what happens when he died. He paid that penalty for us, but we also look and we see not only did he pay the penalty, but he made the trade. In verse 6 it says, For we know that our old self was crucified with him, so that the body ruled by sin might be done away with. That we should no longer be slaves to sin because anyone who has died has been set free from sin. What you need to see is simply this, is that God took something that is bad and he made it good. God took something that had no value and he gave it worth. See, God took us and he made us great. Again, not anything that we could do, but because of what He did for us. And so what He did is He made the trade so that we could become new. This past summer, I was able to travel over to Europe with some of our students and as we were over there, I was the stubborn guy because I had been before. I thought, well, you know what? I don't need to exchange any currency because I can just use my card and that'll be good anywhere I go. I then found out as I was trying to get a donut and a bottle of water over in Paris that that was not the case because my card had no value to them. What I needed was their currency. currency. The money that I had in my wallet was American dollars, and me being the stubborn American that I am, I thought, well, you know what, my American dollars will work anywhere because it's American. It did not work. The money that I had had no value. What I needed to do was to take that money and to exchange it so that my new money that I get as a result of what has been exchanged has value and has worth. See, as I look at this passage and I see what Christ has done for us, what he did is he made the exchange for us. He took us, a currency that has no value, and he gave us worth. He made that exchange on the cross so that we could have value. I think that's something that you need to hear today. Because so often as, as we end a year, as we begin a new year, I think it's, it's really easy as we come up with these resolutions to really just kind of weigh down on ourselves. And the reason why is because we look back on a year and, and maybe we made mistakes, maybe we made decisions that, that really did not get us to a point where we, we really feel too good about ourselves. But what I want you to see today here is this, and understand no matter where you are in the eyes of Christ, you have great value. In the eyes of Jesus, you have great worth. The things which you struggle with, God has come so that you don't have to struggle through them. The things that you fight, He came so that you can win. See, in Christ, you are victorious. And in Christ, you have great worth. But the key in all of it is the two words in Christ. Because without Him, our value remains worthless. Because of the cross, He paid what we could not pay. Because of the cross, He made the exchange and He gave us value. And because of the cross, sin is destroyed. It says in verse 9, For we know that since Christ was raised from the dead, He cannot die again. Death no longer has mastery over him. The death he died, he died to sin once for all, but the life he lives, he lives to God. Let me tell you something, and let this just kind of marinate in your soul, is that God killed death. Think about that for a second. God killed death. It says that death no longer has mastery over him. And as a result of that, the question I ask is, why in my life do I choose not to follow the one who has killed death and to follow myself? It doesn't make sense to me. Why would I allow that battle to continue when I see what God has done, when I see who He is? And I know that as a result of His death, That I no longer have to struggle through the things that I battle. But yet, so often, I allow that to win. See, one of my favorite parts in this passage here is what Paul paints for us in this life that we live. If you continue to read in chapter 6, what you'll see is simply this. One of the questions that Paul asks is he says, because of grace, do we continue to go on sinning? You know, too often what we use is this word grace as an excuse to live our own life. And, and really what we are doing is we are, uh, we are using that word in vain see, what we need to understand is that there should be a desire shift when we understand what Christ has done for us. And if we truly acknowledge Him, we truly love Him, then what happens in our life is there is a shift in our desires. Does that mean we are not going to battle this earth and this thing called sin? Absolutely not. We are going to continue that battle until Christ comes again that is called the process of sanctification being sanctified in our faith when we give our life to Christ all of a sudden we now are are justified by Him and Him alone and as a result this process called sanctification begins what that means is we are growing closer to Christ but what that does not mean is that we are not going to struggle with sin because see, sanctification leads to this thing called glorification and glorification is when we are 100% glorified again with Christ and that state only comes when we are with Him. And so where we are in this life is that battle back and forth, but because of what God has done in our life, we are now being pointed towards glorification. And that's where we use grace to praise God, not as an excuse to praise ourselves, because we see what He has done and it only comes because He killed sin first corinthians 15 57 says O oh death where is your victory oh death where is your sting the sting of death is sin and the power of sin is the law but thanks be to god who gives us the victory through our lord jesus christ what i want you to see by understanding that god killed death is simply this is that you no longer have to live a life of shame. And that God has given you an out to bury the past so that you are no longer held subject to the decisions you have made, but you are now focused on the future as a result of those decisions. See, you're no longer held subject to them, but you learn from them, and now there's freedom that comes as a result of them. We've all been through hardships in our life. I mean, if I can get real with you for a second, I mean, one of the hardest things that I've gone through is, is I've had to witness death. I've seen that to this day, it is still difficult. One of my, I had to watch both of my grandfathers pass away. One died within a month. He had eight tumors in his body, and it went very fast. The other had to watch suffer for eight years with Alzheimer's. It was very, very difficult. It was something that I wish on nobody. When I was in college, just like many people, I was dating someone. I thought that this was going to be the one that I was going to marry. And just like that, things changed. And if I could just be completely honest with you, for about two months, as I first started here at this church, I was struggling with depression. Part of it was a result of pride, because I thought I could never have someone reject me. I could have looked at that and I could have allowed that to just really take down my life and and really destroy me. But as a result of knowing what Christ did, I knew that that does not define me. I am defined by Christ. I am defined by his victory. I am defined by his cross. I am not defined by the things that I have done, but I am going to be defined by the things that I will do as a result of what Christ has done through me. So if there's something I can tell you in this new year it's simply this bury the past because the past needs to be in the ground and move forward in the future knowing that Christ is alive in your life so we see that death and sin no longer holds us down Because he died, we died. But we also see in this passage, there's a hope that comes. Verse 5, look what it says. For if we have been united with him in a death like his, we will certainly also be united with him in a resurrection like his. What we need to see here is not only because he died, we died, but we see here our hope is this, because he lives, we live. See, too often we come and we think that the death of Christ is the end. But no, the death is just the beginning. The resurrection is just the beginning. Because He lives, we live. And the hope that comes is through what He wants to provide for us. So what is the hope that God wants to provide for us? Well, we see that He promises to be with us in this life. I'm not going to stand here today and tell you this life is going to be easy. In fact, I'll go ahead and tell you the complete honest truth is that this life is going to be tough. And in fact, for those of you who are serious about your faith and want to give your life to Christ, let me give you an even bigger reality in this. Because you are a follower of Christ, this life may be tougher. But Jesus didn't come to make this life easy. No, he came so that he could walk us through this life. See, the hope is not this life. The hope is in the life to come. And the hope is in what Christ provides for us. And that hope we see in the scripture is heaven. Revelation 21 verses 1 through 8 paint this beautiful picture of what it looks like to have the hope of Christ and and to really help us see what is going to come one day. We see here it says, Then I saw a new heaven and a new earth. For the first heaven and the first earth had passed away, and there was no longer any sea. I saw the holy city, the new Jerusalem, coming down out of the heaven from God, prepared as a bride beautifully dressed for her husband. Then he said, write this down, for these words are trustworthy and true. He said to me, it is done. I am the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end. To the thirsty I will give water without cost from the spring of the water of life. Those who are victorious will inherit all this, and I will be their God, and they will be my children. The hope that is to come is painted here. And that hope is heaven. And that hope can only be found because of what Christ did for us on the cross. So what do we need to know about the hope to come when we see in this passage? That there will be no more sorrow and no more pain. It says he will wipe away every tear from their eyes. There will be no more death or mourning or crying or pain for the old order of things has passed away. It is so hard for us to grasp that. But how amazing will it be to finally live where there's no more crying, where there's no more pain, and where we will constantly have joy. The second thing we see is that everything is new. It says in verse 5, He who is seated on the throne said, I am making everything new. And this past Christmas, a lot of y'all got something that is new. I don't know if you're like me. I got a new pair of shoes this Christmas. And the one thing that I hate doing is actually breaking them in. You know, when you get something nice, you don't, you know, the hard part is actually wearing it. Especially, I don't know, maybe it's just a guy thing or maybe because I played basketball. Like, you don't like messing up those shoes. But I look at heaven and I see the things that God is going to give us. It says that everything will be new. We no longer have to worry even about the little things in life being worn out. It says that God is making all things new. But one of the greatest parts about heaven is simply this, is is that Jesus is there. And it says in verse 3, And I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, Look, God's dwelling place is now among the people, and He will dwell with them. They will be His people, and God Himself will be with them and be their God. How great is that? To know that one day we will see Jesus face to face. That we will be in His throne, that we will be in His kingdom. See, God does not just save us and walk away. No, He saves us and He continues to love us and He is always right there beside us. And the Bible says that for all eternity, His presence will be with us. And He calls us His children. And as a result of being His children, what we see in heaven is that we will be able to inherit God's riches. And the last thing we see is that. Is in heaven we will inherit God's treasures. Look what it says in verse 7. Those who are victorious will inherit all this. And I will be their God and they will be my children i love how it is written in luke chapter 12 verse 32 and 34 it says this fear not little flock for it is your father's good pleasure to give you the kingdom it says that it is his pleasure God is excited to give us His kingdom, to give us His treasures. It says, sell your possessions and give to the needy. Provide yourselves with money bags that do not grow old, with a treasure in heaven that does not fail, where no thief approaches and no moth destroys. For where your treasure is there, will your heart be also. What we see about God's treasure in this passage is simply this, is that His riches are inexhaustible. That means we will never, get tired of what god provides i don't know if you're like me but sometimes the thought of heaven is scary the thought's scary because my mind cannot grasp eternity and so you try to think oh my goodness i'm going to be there forever 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 you know and so i look at that i hear that and it kind of freaks me out But what I read and understand about the promises of God is that I will never get tired of it. I will never get tired of what God gives me. All that is His will be mine. And He takes great pleasure in that. So as we conclude this series, what's motivating you? What's motivating you to share your faith? I hope that you understand the good news that you have and the hope that comes through Christ and that you never back down letting people know what God has done for you. See, we all have a story. And people can refute so many different things, but one thing that they can never refute is your story. And if God has saved you, then you have a story about His riches, you have a story about His grace that you should always share in word and in deed and never back away from it. As we start this new year, start it by letting people know who Christ is in your life. Understand what He did for you on the cross. I pray and hope that that is a reality for you. And let people see the riches and the glory that is to come because of what Christ has done in your life.